Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. That's what we saw. We saw just the blessing of God. Pastor Danny Guglamucci preached some amazing messages. And he's coming here to our church next February for a whole weekend. And uh, you're going to be really blessed by that. But I just thank God for our transformations. And as we were worshipping, I felt the Lord say, run after him, don't run away. Sometimes when the enemy condemns us or we think we're just not doing well enough, we're tempted to pull back and run away. And I saw someone running away and it's like God just says, whoa, stop. And he turned you around to run the right way. And tonight I believe there's some people who are going to enter into another place of freedom. Father, just thank you for speaking to us. Your words are spirit and they are life. And I thank you for your life in this house tonight. Thank you for your presence just captivating our souls. And Lord, we would live in a new place of freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. Well, Marion and I have been so blessed this week. We've had an amazing week. Tim and Lydia were blessed with a beautiful little baby girl, Ayla. Hope, born on Thursday morning. Have we got a photo of her? Or Ashley can find that photo? There we are. There we go. We were nursing our beautiful little girl. And, and Rachel and Mary Lynn have been uh, just to visit. There's one more, I think. There, there it is. There she is. So pray for Tim and Lydia. They're learning what it's like not to have any sleep for a few days. So that's, that's a big thing for Tim because he loves his sleep. So I really pray for Tim and Lydia. But they're also blessed with uh, our beautiful, healthy Little girl, that's our first grandchild, and we just say thank you for your blessing, Father. You are so, so good. And thank you for all that have prayed for a safe delivery and for the bless, for blessing of God. And it was less than four hours labor for all the ladies. You know what that means. <clears throat> but it's, there's joy and blessing in knowing God and His love flowing through us. Tonight, I want you to follow on from what I preached this morning, but uh, it's sort of a separate message. But I want to pick up the verse I started with this morning. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 to 19. It's about the power of God's love and how it can bring us to a place where we can live free from condemnation and fear. Wow, and how many people are just so tormented by fear? How much pain do we see in our community, in our world? And uh, God wants us to be able to have a freedom in His presence. 1 John 4, 16 says, And we know... And rely on the love God has for us, for God is love. That's a powerful thought. You can know about God's love, but do you rely on it? When the pressure comes, when the fear comes, when the people at work say, you're still praying and believing for God to help you? Do you rely on God's love or what the media says or what the people around us say? It says we can know God's love and we can rely on it. And then it goes on and says, whoever lives in love lives in God. Wow. And God in them. So because God is love, when we live a life of love in us and through us, we know that God's living in us and we're living in Him. This is how love is made complete among us. So we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In the world we are, in this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment or torment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. I want you to think for a moment. Don't dwell on for too long, but a time when you were really afraid. It might have been a natural fear of danger or a storm. 
I remember when I was a little kid, we lived uh, four kilometers from a little town, Crow's Nest, and we lived on a farm. And I remember we heard that there'd been a fire that had burnt down one of the shops in town, and that was a big deal for a little country town. And for the next few nights, I used to wake up afraid that our house was burning down. I don't know why, but, you know, kids are just kids, you know. You'd hear a noise and think, oh, no. And you'd sort of lie awake and be too scared to go to sleep because you had this fear of fire. It only lasted a few days, thank God, and I don't have it now. Or some little kids, when you have a storm and the, the lightning and the thunder, and I remember lightning struck the tree just outside of our house and, and the smell of sulfur and branches flying everywhere, that sort of was a bit of a terror thing. But my dad never had a fear of storms. He got struck twice by lightning and lived. So <laughs> he wasn't afraid of storms. He'd stand out in the veranda. We'd have to sort of drag him in, say, it's a bit dangerous. Oh, no, I like the storms. So... He didn't have a fear of storms at all, none at all. <laughs> but there are things that sometimes are natural things that bring fear. Sometimes there are emotional things, fear of rejection, fear of not achieving well at class or at school or at university, fear that when God calls you to do something, you'll, you'll, you'll muck it up. There are so many fears that can come. And if we let those emotions rule over us, it will cripple us. Because it says fear has torment and punishment. And some of us own, know only too well how powerful that force is. And it can cripple you. You lose your energy. You lose your confidence. You sometimes can't even think straight. And, and so God says when you have His love ruling, it says His perfect love drives out fear. It's a really powerful word. I get the picture of Jesus with the whip driving out. The guys that are ripping off the Christians, the people that had come to worship because they were making greedy money out of it. And it's like, when you feel totally loved, it drives out that fear. It's like a child can feel safe in a parent's love. How awesome can we as the sons and daughters of God feel safe in the love of the Father? And He can so fill your heart. The message says... God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Not our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. Wow, that is so, so powerful. And when I got a hold of this verse a few years ago, I stopped praying for courage when I was afraid. I prayed for more love. Because I knew if I was fully loved and God was surrounding me, then I did not have to fear anything that I was facing. And we need to bring that into our own world. Whatever fears we face, we all have fears. Even the Apostle Paul was super saint. Paul, he says, I have fears without and fears within. Because he, he was battling um, torment from the persecutions and he was left for dead three times and shipwrecked. And he's got a whole list there. But he kept on serving God because he knew the power of God's love. He didn't give up. Fear doesn't have to stop you. Courage is not the absence of fear, it's facing fear and walking through it. When God gives you a love and calls you through, you can walk through anything 
Because you know God's with her and he's, if he created you and created this universe, then nothing can stop you. And Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God except us choosing to pull back and dwelling on the wrong things. So if you've lived a fearful life, I want to encourage you, there's a way that God's going to help you to live in freedom. And if we had time to go around with the microphone today and say, tell me some of the fears that Jesus set you free from, all of us would have stories. We would have some big or little stories that we can share and celebrate. In the Amplified, in 1 John 8, 4, and it says, there is no fear in love, dread does not exist. Well, wow, fear is terrible, but sometimes you get such fear you feel a dread in your soul. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. So it's a growing relationship, just like a child grows and learns with appreciation of how much their parents love them. So in God, it's a growing understanding. I've been a Christian now for 40 years and my understanding of God love, God's love keeps get rich, getting richer and deeper all the time. And you, you experience His comfort, His strength, His compassion, His power in our lives and it is so, so beautiful. So God doesn't want us to live in condemnation and that reminds me of the verse in Romans 8, 1 and 2. This is one that a lot of people learn off when you're a new Christian because we need to get it in our spirit. Because the devil, if he can't stop you become a Christian, he'll try and condemn you and say, you're not going to make it, you're not going to last, and so you struggle along to survive. But the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. And what do we sing tonight? I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. They're not just nice words of a song that Matt was leading, but they are powerful words, a declaration of what we believe in our heart and mind, and that is a believing that causes you to act in a certain way. It's not a mental assent. When the Bible says, these signs will follow those that believe, I believe in you, that is not just, yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes we'll say, well, I believe that the, there is gravi uh, gravitation and the earth's round. You know, we believe because we've been told it. But when you believe in Jesus Christ, it is an experiential understanding that causes you to live a different way. It means that you won't let fear rule you. Say, no, I believe that Jesus is with me because he said he'll never leave me or forsake me. I don't have to have condemnation over me because we know Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Therefore, I am forgiven. Therefore, I don't have to live under guilt and shame and condemnation anymore. So when you believe, you know you experience it, and then you act like that, that's when you live with condemnation not holding you. The enemy will try and condemn us. He loves to try and rip us off, to steal from us your freedom. But let me tell you, in Christ we can be free. And it goes on, and it says there, For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And we were singing tonight about that Christ has risen from the dead. And he's alive because he's alive, we're alive. We're alive in our spirit. We're alive in our, in our faith. We're alive in our hope. There's so much death and destruction around. 
And I was just, I was just sadness. I was driving down to the conference on Thursday. I heard about the tragic shooting out here at Riverheads. I thought, that is so sad. You know, a mum and a dad that both had been diagnosed with cancer and a, and a disabled daughter and they just couldn't face life anymore. I thought, how tragic is that? Where death comes because the fear of not being able to cope and face the future robbed them of their life. And we see not everyone dying physically, but there's a whole lot of people die on the inside. Their hope begins to die. Their courage begins to die. Their belief that they can ever make something powerful in their life and help lots of other people can die if you don't connect with Jesus Christ, with his resurrection life, and that you believe that he is the Son of God, that he's your Saviour, that he can help you face any fear that you've got. Any fear that comes, some fears are like a quiet dread inside. Some people have a fear of lack because maybe at a crucial point in your growing up, there wasn't enough food or there wasn't enough clothes or there wasn't enough protection. You've got this underlying just dread in the bottom of your soul that just undermines when someone says, wow, you're loved. think, really? It robs you from that place of confidence. Or you've had a severe rejection in your life and so you've got this underlying fear of rejection that just nags away and robs you of that place of total freedom in your soul. But I want to say when Jesus becomes your Lord and Saviour, He begins to set you free of the fears. Some of them just flee out of your life. Others you've got to aggressively, aggressively confront and deal with. You take up the sword of the Spirit and some of you have got to get some of these scriptures and take the sword of the Spirit and say... There is no condemnation to me. Put your name in it. That's why Mary Lynn bought me this personalized Bible for the last year at Christmas, and I've been reading right through it. And it puts your name in all of these places. So there is no condemnation to Ross Davey. So when I read it, that my name's in the Bible all the way through. So you start to personalize it. Because we can read all these verses and say, oh, that's an awesome verse. But we don't make it ours when it's a promise for you and for you, for all of us. And the word of the Holy Spirit wants to make the word of God personal to us. So there is no condemnation. Put your name in it. Because we've been set free from the law of sin and death by Jesus Christ and his finished work. And I want you to put your name in the Bible more. Personalize it. Where it says you or they or we. Put your name in it. And let me tell you, it will start to change the way you think about yourself and what God has promised you. We've got to get that word and the truth because the truth will set you free. In the message version in Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, With the arrival of Jesus, <coughs> that Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. That sounds like depression and discouragement, and dread, and fear, saying, no matter what I do, it just never seems to work out. The spirit, a, a new power is now in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. What a beautiful picture. Leave that up for a moment. What a powerful picture that is. 
how that the, the, the wind of the Spirit has come through Christ and it blows away those clouds of doubt and fear and condemnation and shame. And it says, now there's clear air and you're free to live above the brutal tyranny of fear and of sin of death. That's what, that's what the gospel has done for us. That's why we believe in this Jesus. That's why being a Christian and a believer is not just a religious thing and you come to church on Sunday and <coughs> pray and, and sing some songs. This is a lifestyle of freedom. This is an amazing lifestyle of freedom and God wants us to live in the power of that, personalize it, get the sword of the Spirit of God and cut off those lies that have robbed you. Those lies that have robbed you from freedom, from confidence. Because let me tell you, the freer you are, the freer everyone else around you is going to get. So it's not just about you. It's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about your workmates. It's about our neighborhood. It's about our city and our community. The freer you are, the freer everyone else can experience the grace of God through your life. That's why I think these verses are so, so powerful. Perfect love drives out fear. You say, well, I've still got a whole pile of fears here. Keep praying, saying, Lord, reveal your love to me. Sit and meditate and say, Lord, I thank you for your love. Have you ever just sat before God sometimes and not said a whole lot of requests, but just say, Lord, I thank you for your amazing love. I thank you that you love me through Jesus Christ. Lord, you know, I'm not good enough to deserve this, but it's by your grace, his rich mercy that he has loved you and drawn you to himself. Sometimes you just got to stop all the talking and just say, Lord, thank you for your love. And just let his love get close. And that song Matt was singing about, be closer to him. That he wants to draw us. There are times where you just need to turn the television off. Throw your mobile phone away. Do whatever you need to do. Cut off all that stuff so you can really hear the Father's love saying, I love you with an everlasting love. I remember hearing a story of a guy who was a pastor. I remember meeting him when I was just a young guy. And he just was an old father in the faith. Whenever he spoke, something happened in the room. It was like you just felt God had just walked in. I thought, how did he learn that? And he told me there was times when he got older, he used to wake up in the night. And instead of getting frustrated and angry and trying to take some sleeping pills or do whatever, he learned to go and sit in his favorite chair and just let his heart get drawn to God. He said sometimes he'd just pray quietly and then he'd sit. And he said one night he was there just feeling God's love. And then all of a sudden he felt some drops on his head. Thinking, is there a hole in the roof? No, it's not raining. He thought, Lord, what's, what's happening? And this is what the Holy Spirit said to him. He says, so many of my children, my sons and daughters, never take enough time just to let me love them. And he said, you've just learnt to sit here in your quiet moments and let me draw close and love you. And he said, they are my tears of love that are touching you. And God allowed him to actually feel the tears of his heavenly father touch him. I've never forgotten him telling this story. I was about 10 years old when I, told, when he, I heard that story. I didn't really get it then, but I realized, wow, Father, you love us so much. And if those that are parents, and you, you want to just go and hug your kids, and they're running around playing all the time, and you can't catch them, you know, and they just won't stop long enough just to give them a big hug. 
they're wriggling out of your arms and just want to go and do something. I thought, well, we do that to our father so often. We're just so busy doing life. And you can't sit for 24-7 and do that, but I think sometimes the father just wants to come and say, I want you to know my love. I want you to feel my love because it is so powerful, so real, so freeing, so intense. And not be wriggling out and trying to sort it all out and, and reasoning and trying to do all this stuff to earn his love when he said it's unconditional and it's free. But you've got to make sure you're willing to hear it and feel it and respond to it. And every now and then, when I'm really busy and feeling a bit overwhelmed, I think of that story and think, oh Lord, how long since I've just taken a moment? Sometimes I pull the guitar out. My Friday morning prayer meetings here, I pull the guitar out and have an hour and a half just enjoying his presence. And sometimes I go for a walk and I think, Lord, I don't do this anywhere near enough. And just taking sometimes just a moment or two to let him love you and you to experience and feel it. Let me tell you, when you have that happen to you, fear loses its power. All of a sudden, condemnation, all the lies of the enemy lose their power. All the weaknesses that you're still wrestling with and the stuff you're still trying to get free of and the addictions you're trying to still overcome and all of a sudden they lose their power because you just feel so wrapped up in the Father's love. That's what happens sometimes when we worship. When we're just worshiping, there's beautiful harmonies happening and the, the worship team are just doing their best to make an open doorway for us to walk in and experience and we sing and worship together. Sometimes you just get caught up in His love. Someone asked, why do you sing the songs over and over? I said, well, because the first six times we probably don't really mean and think about what we're saying. Sometimes about the seventh or eighth time, all of a sudden we realize what we're really saying. And we're singing to you, Jesus. That's one of the reasons I explain why some people say, you, you sing the songs too many times. I said, well, we're just a bit slow here. It takes us a while to really get connected into it. Maybe you're really spiritual and you get it first time, but I know me. It takes me a while. I just, I just feel the Father drawing some people tonight and just to deal with some of the condemnation, the shame and the guilt. Jesus paid for it on the cross and yet we still let it influence us way too many times. We let other people's words and opinions control us and I just feel his amazing love drawing us. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Wow. He's just been preaching about the love of God. Paul's writing about it. And he says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Wow, wow, wow. When you're feeling weak, just take a moment to read that. You realize Jesus is personally praying for you right now. That's a bit of a powerful thought, eh? When you feel alone, the enemy says you're not good enough. Bible says Christ is interceding for you right now. Wow. Wow, when you take a moment to let that sink in, something starts to change on the inside. Romans 5.16 says... 
nor could the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Wow, Jesus, you did that for me. You did it for us. And you did it for all the people who are not yet Christians in our community. When you see it that way, you start to look at people around us with different eyes. There's a whole lot of broken people doing some crazy, selfish, dumb stuff. Sinners sin and do dumb stuff, just like we did before we met Jesus. We don't judge them. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, I came to love the world. And we've got to be careful we don't get into judgment and condemning sinners because they're sinners and that's what sinners do. Jesus said, I come to love them and show them a better way. I've come to draw them to begin to experience hope and freedom and that's what we are as believers to let the freedom of christ come over our hearts proverbs says in the proverbs where are we fourteen thirty four. righteousness exalts a nation but sin condemns any people when we sin and let sin rule it does bring condemnation to our souls because we weren't designed to sin we were designed to be free no wonder we have sickness and brokenness and torn up families because sin and selfishness destroys. But Christ has come to bring life. Just want to reflect just for a few minutes before we finish tonight on the, the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. We won't read it right through, but it's a powerful, powerful story. Some people say, well, it's not really the story of the prodigal son. It's really the story of the compassionate father. Or as Danny Guglielmucci said the other night, it's actually the story of three sons. Because the father was a son as well. And that changed my whole thinking on the story. The prodigal son is the one who came to the father and said, Give me. Give me what, my, what is mine now. He wanted his inheritance now. That sounds like a whole lot of people in our world saying, give me my rights, give me my, um, all that belongs to me. And so the father gave him what he was going to get eventually when he died. Usually the oldest son in those days got two-thirds, uh, got twice as much as the one, so it would have been two-thirds, one-third if there was only two sons. So we read the story in Luke 15 how he went off he ran off and it says he took all that he had and he wasted it on riotous living. Probably had lots of friends while he had the money and when the money ran out, at the same time the money ran out, a severe famine came over the land so it was really hard to get food. So he ended up feeding pigs on a pig farm. Now you've got to realise Jesus is telling this to Jewish people and for Jewish people, pigs... You're not to eat them and you're not to even be near them. So to work on a pig farm was the most 
humiliating thing that young man could ever end up doing. He got so hungry, he just wanted to grab one of the corn cobs out of the pig's trough or mouth. It's hard to believe how low and broken our lives can become when we don't have Jesus in the center. We end up groveling and doing stuff to ourselves and others that are just so, so bad and so dangerous and so destructive. And God's never created us to be that way. I know many of us here know Jesus. Maybe you're still on a journey of discovering Christ. And tonight I want to remind you what he's brought us from and what he's brought us to so that we can be ones that can reach those who have not yet experienced the love of Jesus. It's so easy to get so comfortable. The guy came to the end of himself. He says, I'm going to go back to my father. Even the slaves and the servants, at least they get some decent meals and they've got a roof over their head. And, and so finally, we don't know. The story doesn't tell us whether it was weeks or months or years until he came to that place. So he went back and he, all the way he's rehearsing. I'm going to... I'm going to ask my father to forgive me. I'm going to repent of my sin because I have sinned against you, Father, and against my heavenly Father. And so he's rehearsing his whole thing. And it could have been, could have been days or weeks for him to get back because he says he went into another country. They didn't have uh, nice car, fast cars and, and trains and that. So he was probably walking, wouldn't have been able to afford to get a camel ride. It could have been weeks walking before he got back home. And so he's ready just to become a slave, just not even sure whether he'd be accepted back home and then the amazing thing is that the father was watching for him i reckon every afternoon that father went out walked down the to the edge of the hill or stood on the veranda and looked out and said i wonder if he's coming back home and probably prayed just like the father prays for us to come back home to himself don't live in the pig pen of sin if you've if stuff's happened and you've made some wrong choices, don't live in the pig pen of sin because God's made you for a much better place. He's made you a place of love and care and, and compassion and, and a purpose in your life, not survival but thriving. And he comes back and it says the father saw him a long way off. And it says the father grabbed his garments and, and he was an older man and for an, an older man to run and pull up his garment was was a very humbling thing. It wasn't a done thing. He, he says he runs to him too. And when he gets there, he embraces him and hugs him and kisses him. And I read one commentary that the reason he ran to get there first, because if the older brother or the people of the town would have got there, they would have killed him or thrown him away. He said, you've dishonored your family and you've stolen you've taken and wasted and they they would have probably driven him away or beaten him up so that's one of the reasons the father got to him first because we see the judgment of the older brother if he would have seen him he would have beat him up and it says the people of the town would have also tried to get that disgrace removed from their community but the father ran and got there first and then he says forgive me father i've sinned against you and uh, I'm willing just to be a slave or a servant. The father didn't listen to that. He heard the repentance. But he, he said to the, called the servants, hey, quickly, grab the best robe. 
And that robe was probably a special robe that was used for a celebration or a graduation or a special event in that man's life. And the father had kept it and hadn't thrown it out because he still believed he was going to come home. And Jesus got a robe of righteous for you and I because he knows that he's calling you back to himself. He's got a robe of grace and love to cover the shame and guilt and sin that we sometimes get ourselves into. He's got something to cover your mind that's been filled with torment and fear or junk and rubbish. He's got something to cover it. And then he said, go and get the ring, the special ring that was a signet ring, which was actually was a gift from the Father that actually gave him authority to enact stuff on behalf of the family. He probably threw that aside when he left and thought, I'll never need this. The father kept it. And then he said, go and get the sandals or shoes for his feet. Because the slaves never wore shoes or sandals, but he said, I want you to come back and be my son, not just a slave. And that's what Jesus does. He comes and washes our feet. He washes our mind. He washes our heart. He washes our past. Because he brings us into relationship. And then he said, go and get the fatted calf. The calf that had been raised for a special event. Possibly even might have been kept for the marriage of the older brother or the younger brother or something. A special event, the fattened calf that was used for celebration. So the servant said, get it ready because we're going to have a party because what was lost has now been found. What was dead has now come alive, the story says. I thought, wow, that's how Jesus treats you and I. What was dead has come alive. What was lost has been found. And that's how he sees you and I tonight, as his sons and daughters. And he loves us so much. And that perfect love drives out fear. The enemy lies to us and tries to keep us at a distance, saying, God won't accept you and won't cleanse you and forgive you again, because you've asked it before. But that's a lie from the enemy, because the Spirit of God says, I will come and I'll put my robe of righteousness on you again. And I will come and restore you as a son and daughter to the King of Kings. And I'll come and give you a fresh purpose. And let's celebrate, because what was dead has now come alive. Your spirit that was dead has come alive. Your, your conscience and mind that was dead has now come alive and can think and hear and feel God's heart and compassion to the lost around us. And I'll teach you how to love other people again. I'll help you to have an identity in yourself because when you are free and you the love of God, then you will have a purpose and you'll restore others to their relationship with the Father. Because often we judge others by how we see ourselves. We push people away because we're struggling to accept ourselves. God knows how we tick. He knows the destruction of sin, but He's come and paid it all on the cross. He says, that which was dead has now come alive. That which was lost has now been found. And then we hear the story where the older brother hears the music and says, What's happened? They said, your brother, he's come home. The father's throwing a big party. 
And the older brother you'd think would be excited, but he got really angry and jealous and upset. He said, what do you mean? I've been here slaving away. No party for me. The father tried to speak to him and says, you're with me all the time. You've got access to my presence and provision all the time, but you've just had a wrong attitude of trying to work your way to receive it instead of out of relationship living in it. I thought, wow, how easy it is to judge others. How easy it is to see others as we see ourselves. But when we experience that unconditional love of the Father, our hearts are healed, our souls are set free, and you will find nothing too difficult to love and serve your Father when you understand how much He loves you. And there's some people here tonight, I feel the call of God for some people here tonight, you've drifted in your life, God's sown some seeds of purpose in your life, but for whatever reason, fear and busyness or other stuff has hindered you from really stepping up and pursuing what God's called you to be and do. And He's calling you to love those kids into the kingdom of God. He's calling you to be trained to reach out and, and help people come into freedom and wholeness in their life. He's put gifts in your hands. Don't throw them away like the prodigal son did. Don't waste it. Say, Lord, Help me to use my life for your kingdom. Oh, Holy Spirit. Let your compassion touch your hearts. Lord, forgive us where we've taken and just wanted the blessing for ourselves instead of to fulfill your purpose. Father, forgive us where we've lived as a slave instead of a son. We've had an older brother, self-righteous, works attitude. Father, I pray right now you just draw us close to yourself. Lord, heal our hearts. Restore our souls. And Lord, help us to walk out of the pig pen of sin that has still controlled some parts of our thinking and our minds and our hearts. Right now, as we're just in His presence, I feel the amazing love of Jesus just drawing us. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never really responded to Jesus and you even said, well, I'm just the black sheep of the family or just hasn't ever worked out for me and I've just made dumb choices and I don't know why, but here I am. I feel the love of God calling some men and women tonight just to say, Jesus, I'm going to come as I am and, and I know that you're going to set me free. I just see him reaching out with arms saying, why don't you come home to the Father? Maybe you've never ever made that decision or maybe you have and you need to come back to him and say, God, I, I, I'm still trying to wrestle this out but I really want you to be my Father and I want my sins to be truly forgiven and I want to come from death to life if that's you tonight just lift your hand and say please pray for me Pastor Ross I want to get right with God I want to come back to him who's that tonight who's that tonight God bless you who else tonight I feel the love of God 
He's knocking on the door of your heart. Your heart's beating real fast because you know the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Who else tonight? You've never done this or you need to come back clearly to Christ. Oh, Jesus. Let's all stand in his presence. There's a holy presence of God here. Thanks, worship team. There's just a holy presence of God. And this is not to make them something emotional. This is just, I, I feel the call of God over some hearts right now. There are people who maybe have known Jesus for months or years, but there is fear or condemnation has plagued your soul. There are things that have just tried to disqualify you from the freedom of Christ. We're just going to sing a song right now. There's some people here, and you're a Christian, but you've been messing around in the pig pen of sin somewhere in your life, and, and it's time to just lay it before the foot of Jesus. There's some people here that you've known Jesus for years, but it's like the call of God is coming on your soul afresh to just be all that God wants you to be. Don't fight it. Don't wrestle it. Just surrender. I'm just going to make room at the altar. Some people need to come and kneel or stand at the front for a few minutes and just let Jesus set you free. Just come forward and so others can come. I just feel the Holy Spirit tugging at some people's hearts. There's some people when you come, some of the pig pen of sin is going to drop off your soul. Some of you have settled and compromised in sexual relationships. Some of you have, have compromised with addictions and, and junk and, and stinking thinking over your soul has just hindered you but you tonight why don't you come and just lay it before Jesus there's some others that you love God with all of your heart but there's a call of God that you know is on your life to serve him in the marketplace or in your career or in ministry why don't you come and just surrender stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church